Warning, the following podcast contains adult language, much in the same way that a gentleman's club contains gentlemen. I mean, what the fuck is adult about our language? Weird phrase. Anyway, warning, we cuss a lot. This week's episode of The Scathing Atheist is brought to you by the new rap album for Suicide Bombers featured in the soundtrack of Caliphate Mile, presenting Rhymes Against Humanity by Muslim Shady. Do not miss your chance to blow. This opportunity comes once in a lifetime, or possibly again if you miss your chance to blow. But still, don't miss it. Rick Rao. And now, The Scathing Atheist. This is Emily. And this is Scott. We're co-hosts on the Recovering from Religion podcast. Recovering from Religion offers the Secular Therapy Project, local support groups, and the Hotline Project, which you can reach at 1-84-I-DOUBT-IT. Wow, that was fast. I'll get it. Thanks for calling the Hotline Project. This is Scott. How can I help you? What's that? Yes, we did in fact evolve from filthy monkey men. Dude. Uh, Heath? What? What? It's it's Thursday. Uh what? No, it's it's Wednesday. I'm, no, I'm no, no, no. I mean, it's Thursday. Wait, what? It, you're supposed to do we, that. Oh, it's Thursday. You're supposed to do Oh, yeah, yeah, no, sorry. Uh, ah, it's sorry. No, hold on. One second, one second. Fuck! I cannot catch this Butterfree. Just give me a, just give me a second. Oh, dude, you found a Butterfree? Yeah, man. They're by Central Park. Fuck! Yeah. What the fuck are you guys talking about? Pokemon Go! Yeah, d- don't even get into it. It's not worth it. What? what? It's uh, Pokemon Go! Well, okay, what is Pokemon Go? It's just, it's a waste of time. Damn it! I will catch you! Okay. Well, it's this game where you walk around and catch Pokemon. I thought that game was just Pokemon. No, okay, so this, it's, I, that, fair, it's Are like you? Pokemon, okay. but you walk around and you actually walk around and you find the Pokemon. It's cool, and there's like buildings you go in to get stuff. Wait, what, what, like people's homes? You go into people's I, homes? I mean, sometimes, but you don't yeah, like, you well, don't go inside, you spin them. You spin them. No. You remember how this started off with you trying to clarify something? Got it! Got it! Dude, dude, Got show it. me, show me, turn on your Skype. Guys, anytime, right, anytime. Oh. Fine, fine. Sorry, Wait. sorry. Ah, it's Thursday. It's July 14th. And I don't care, I'm voting for Bernie anyway. <laughs> I have no illusions. <laughs> I'm Eli Bosnick. I'm Heath Enright. And from New York, New York, and Valdosta, Georgia, this is The Scathing Atheist. On this week's episode, the amusement park about a flood has zero water rides. What the fuck? Westboro Baptist Church pretends they just got their first gay trainer. And Joseph K. Richards will be here to discuss his upcoming film, Batman and Jesus. But first, the diatribe. With all due apologies to Voltaire, if Ken Ham didn't exist, we'd have to invent him. I mean, I know we give him a lot of shit for the desperate effort to hide his pockmarked visage behind Mennonite mutton chops and all, but when I think about how much easier he makes my job, I feel like I should give him a big sloppy kiss. 
or at least an eyeball lick. I mean, he's he's like an all-you-can-eat buffet of institutionalized stupid. He allows me to answer virtually all of the what's-the-harm type questions I get from apathetic non-believers in six simple letters, two syllables, one name, Ken motherfucking Ham. Of course, as I'm sure you're aware, Ken Ham's proud testament to credulity finally had its grand opening last week. The city of Williamstown is now the proud owner of a 500-foot-long, 85-foot-wide, seven-story landlocked boat with all the buoyancy of the Greek economy. And for our international listeners, by the way, 500 feet, that's about 300 cubits. Now, we're going to talk more about the grand opening in the headline segment, but as I was researching this story, I kept being struck by the nesting doll of debate ammunition that he's handed us here. I mean, I constantly hear moderate voices on both sides of the theistic divide trying to deflate atheist arguments by pretending that the bad types of religion are some ignorable minority, right? I mean, the most common religious criticism of the four horsemen was that they were attacking some bygone notion of religion that nobody in the 21st century really believed anymore. No one in the United States, anyway. They'd laugh off atheist arguments with hand-waving dismissals that modern Christians aren't worshiping a bearded man on a throne. They don't believe in a literal Satan. They don't take the Noah's Ark story seriously. And how the fuck can we now be expected to take that argument seriously when Ken Ham's magic boat has taken up a football field in the half worth of our country? Over a hundred million dollars went into this delusional effort, which promises on its website to teach visitors what Noah's family must have really felt like during the flood. And meanwhile, I don't even see anybody raising money for the It's Just a Book of Allegories theme park. Well, that's only one of the many locks I can jiggle this skeleton key of stupidity into. When you see tens of millions of dollars invested in a park that primarily exists to convince children that young earth creationism is legitimate science, who the fuck can even formulate the words, what's the harm? He's got animatronic dinosaurs and zip lines and plush animals for all the little kitties, all serving no purpose but to enrich his ministry at the cost of these children's intellects. Everything Ham does is directed at de-educating children so he won't have to work as hard when they're adults. I mean, look, this is no less insane than an entire theme park dedicated to teaching kids their multiplication tables incorrectly or convincing them that adverbs don't exist. But institutions dedicated to confusing children about verifiable facts are so commonplace in this country, we rarely stop to recognize how fucked up it is. Until, of course, somebody draws attention to it with a hundred million dollar boat that can't swim. I mean, how much would you pay for these kind of ready examples in a debate? But don't answer yet, because with Ken Am, you also get verification of all the slippery slope shit we've been warning about. Just look at the fucking hiring practices here. Because he waved a magic wand and called this for-profit business a ministry, he gets to refuse employment to anybody that won't agree with him that the earth is younger than the oldest house in England. There's literally a maximum allowable intelligence to work for him, and in an area as impoverished as Williamstown, Kentucky, you can bet your ass a few educated atheists are Winston Zetamoring their way into a job. So yeah, there was a time when we had to point to the future's near horizon and say, if we keep going like this, you'll have to promise to agree with your employer's religion to get a job. But thanks to Ken Ham, we only need to point to Williamstown, Kentucky. I mean, that should be more than enough to terrify atheists, Jews, Muslims, and any of the hundreds of theological slices of Christianity that don't fit into answers in Genesis as literalism. And as if that's not enough, Ken Ham has also provided us with a treasure trove of evidence to dissuade the members of his own little franchise of Christianity. I mean, look at the fucking boat! You're telling me that human beings with fully fireable neurons are going to look at that behemoth and go, yeah, 900-year-old guy with his kids could have done that. You're telling me that the years it took Ken Ham to build this thing with modern construction equipment is going to convince people that this story is more likely to be true? 
They're looking at this thing and they're thinking about that wave from San Andreas. And believe me, they've seen San Andreas. And they're thinking, yeah, I can see how an unsteerable wooden vessel could ride out a few of those. But it even goes one layer deeper than that. Because let's face it, if Ken Ham's acolytes had a thought like, doesn't look like something that big could float, they'd go to their pastor to exercise the devil from their thinking lung the next day. So even if not one single person looks at that thing and says, okay, yeah, that story's definitely bullshit, we still win. Because the biblical just-so story they've elected to aggrandize with this park is a story, as the tri-state freethinkers put it, of genocide and incest. I mean, if you do take the story seriously, it's the single greatest act of murder and evil committed by any conscious being in the 6,000-year history of the universe, unless, of course, you count the existence of hell. It's a story of depravity, unjustified rage, and cousin-fucking. And here I thought the state of Kentucky was trying to move away from that image. So for just a second, I want to set aside the animosity and the insults and tell Ken Ham that we owe him a heartfelt debt of gratitude. So from the bottom of my heart, thank you for all the work that you do, Ken, when you your religion dies, you'll have done more to kill it than I could ever hope to. They're talking about your Jesus. We interrupt this broadcast to bring you a special news bulletin. Joining me for headlines tonight are the beauty and the beast of blasphemy, Heath Enright and Eli Bosnick. Fellas, are you ready to kidnap a girl's father until she falls in love with you? Um, well, I feel like we'll end up owing... The, the dad and the, the grandfather, 50 shekels, is just like bad business. <laughs> oh, right. My engagement is going just fine. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> In our lead story tonight, as per our discussion of the diatribe, Amish Wolverine snicked it out his home-crafted adamantium claws this week to cut the ribbon on the Ark Encounter theme park. The centerpiece of the park, of course, is a life-size replica of Noah's fabled Ark, a construction project that cost over $100 million and at least a century's worth of Kentucky's dignity. The park also features zip lines, a pathetically underpopulated zoo, a two-story in-Ark restaurant. Well, they have, uh, the inbreeding rainbow room is the restaurant. <laughs> there you go. And, of course, hand-sharpied white T-shirts that link Obama to the end times prophecies. In the coming years, Answers in Genesis hopes to add additional attractions, such as an ancient city, a mobility scooter, go-kart track, and merit. You had me at zip lines. <laughs> you lost me at Kentucky's dignity. Kentucky. <laughs> We're America's ex-girlfriend who still hangs out with all your friends. <laughs> <laughs> I should put that on the license plates. Holy <laughs> shit. So the park opened to an enthusiastic but underwhelming crowd. So while no official attendance numbers have been released, news reports estimate the crowd at between four and 8,000 customers. Even without a sexual harassment policy? Wow. Can you believe it? Sounds like a lecture on <laughs> mythicism. Nice. I know. <laughs> And, and of course, according to the research team whose numbers were used to justify the unconstitutional tax incentives the parks received, the Ark Encounter should see about 2.2 million visitors this year. So in order to justify the tax benefits they've already received, they just need to make sure that every day this year is a little over twice as successful as the grand opening was. <laughs> Ham assured so investors and the city that there's nothing to worry about, of course, since scientifically speaking, 6000 is nearly indistinguishable from $4 billion. Yeah, so, and is if you ask the Jews, am I right? <laughs> Hitler didn't have the gasoline. Wake up, sheeple. Six <laughs> coin flips in a row. Who's with me? Come on. Water doesn't burn that hot. So I guess we don't have, uh, we don't have to Ocean's 13 Ken Ham anymore, but, um, <laughs> I feel like we should still do it anyway for fun. Just oh yeah. Offer the Billy Martin. Which one of us looks yeah. the most like Julia Roberts? <laughs> I don't think there's really a question there. I, I wish that there was. Don't even Included talk about among it. the meager trickle of guests was a veritable who's who of atheist activism, of course, including friends of the show David Silverman. World's most Jewish atheist. <laughs> Dan Errol. Big day for him. 
Oh, yeah. And Aaron Ra. Loved him in Last Dance of Courage. Mm, yeah. <laughs> also, Debbie Does Dallas again. He was yeah. Redux Dallas. Or yes. Gasmo. Yeah. And, of course, their presence attracted the layer of protest protesters that we discussed previously, led by professional toilet seat pack animal Eric Hovind, who apparently took time off of being the spawn of a felon to get his ass handed to him in debates with every atheist willing to humor him. Hey, to be fair, you're not being polite enough about this beating as a real zinger in the Hovind house. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> and, and apparently taxonomy is not a word they learn there. So <laughs> Clearly, yeah. And in No Cake Stupid news tonight, the owners of Take the Cake Bakery in Toledo, Ohio, took a stand for their sincerely held beliefs this week that gay people don't have birthdays. <laughs> well, yeah, right. they have a hatch day, but that's not really exactly okay. the same. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Similar. Fair. But. According to ABC 13, Candace and Amanda Lowe were on their honeymoon when they received a surprising text message from the owner of the bakery that was supposed to prepare a surprise cake for Amanda's birthday, saying, quote, Candace, I'm sorry. I just realized you're in a same-sex relationship, and we do not do cakes for same-sex weddings or parties. I'm so sorry. I wasn't aware of this exactly until I saw your page. Take care. Smiley face emoji. <laughs> Smiley <laughs> face emoticon, yes. And I feel like the the lesbian little person being baked inside should have tipped them off in the first place. <laughs> doesn't matter. They, they eventually caught the error, but that, I'm, I'm just saying, you know. Too soon, Heath. That little person died. She died. <laughs> so, uh, weird half apology and emoji aside, apparently the owner of Take the Cake sped read their how to be a better bigot packet from focus on the family and thought that the thing they're not allowed to do anyway they were allowed to do for just general parties of any kind well but see this goes back to my diatribe from last week so if we're supposed to accept that gay weddings and straight weddings are two different types of things then why not gay birthday parties and straight birthday parties right the problem isn't so much that this woman's particular expression of bigotry isn't legally sanctioned and more that you have to kind of parse out which ones are right <laughs> hey sorry but uh didn't realize you were black you you have light skin and smell the same as us but uh i saw a tweet that your life matters so yeah i can't do it i okay. can't tell you sorry, sorry. Oh, Smiley face. I, it, <laughs> winky face. Hands up, hands up, hands up. <laughs> um, I have no idea what that. People send that to Mouse me. Mouse eating cheese, Pokemon, smile. I know what eggplant yeah. means. Oh, God. <laughs> it means she's disappointed. Or about to be. It means black people in Italian. It's a slur. <laughs> oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, however, I want to point out, I do think I see the logic here. You see, people are born gay, right? They celebrate mm -hmm. that on their birthday... Therefore, oh, a birthday cake for a gay person is against someone's deeply held beliefs. Hey, birthdays are a choice. Yeah, it's okay. about how you're raised. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as of right now, the owner of the bakery has yet to comment, but I assume that's because they're currently attempting to build a time machine out of modeling chocolate so they can go back to last week and not be an asshole. <laughs> right. <laughs> and in God Hates Clefairy's news tonight. Thanks to last week's release of the new augmented reality game Pokemon Go, the Westboro Baptist Church's virtual location has been taken over by what they believe to be a homosexual cartoon character. Hades really? from Hercules? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Clefairy should clearly evolve into that guy if you like 
<laughs> get him wet or feed him after midnight or whatever. Works out. All I'm saying is as soon as you said homosexual cartoon character, Kevin Swanson had his dick out. So it's nice to know that we finally have something in common, him and I. Go on. Go on. Excellent. Limp Biscuit over Skype. I am in. <laughs> All right, anyway. Here's a little background on the game we're talking about. Pokemon Go connects its digital universe to real-life locations and encourages people to visit these real places as part of the gameplay. And during this process, one user in Topeka, Kansas, noticed that Westboro Baptist was on the map as a Pokemon gym, which means it's a place that can be claimed in the game universe as a battle venue. Uh-huh. And in a wonderful act of spite towards the bigots at the WBC, this person took over the location with a pink Pokemon named Clefairy, as we mentioned before, and used the nickname Love is Love. And they're not happy at the church. Yeah, you got to remember, these people take their pretend characters very seriously. <laughs> right. They might think Clefairy's real. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. So in response to the adorable pink imaginary sodomite that's laid claim to their building... <laughs> Somebody at Westboro Baptist, who knows way too much about Pokemon Go to be working there, sent out several messages on Twitter that show a different adorable pink imaginary sodomite named Jigglypuff, admonishing gay people and complaining about the use of gay characters to deliver political statements, except for that. Except for Jigglypuff. Except for the one they used, right. And, like, here's my thing. Why Jigglypuff? It's the gayest of all it's the, the Pokemon. Gayest Pokemon. Names. Why not like Machamp or Crucifixio? They'd <laughs> be better choices. You don't know Crucifixio is not a real Pokemon. There's a fucking million of them. You don't know. <laughs> Probably be easy That's to my catch. They're kind of pinned down there. But anyway, um, <laughs> just one last thing. Um, the church would like everyone to know that they are not the place to call if you're looking for technical support about Pokemon battles and or information about turkey safety. No. So if you have any long, involved questions about either of those topics, you should not call 785-273-0325. One more time, that's not 785-273-0325. Exactly. Don't, don't call them. And in 28 Gays Later news tonight, in an effort to make the 30 seconds list so transparent that we had to deny it to them, a group of Christians donned surreptitious gay apparel to infiltrate the Toronto Pride Parade, where they handed out pamphletized hate speech whilst disguised as, in their words, gay zombie potheads. That's right. Um, When the question of the Christian hate group roundtable was, what do fags dress like, the answer they settled on, not started on, but settled on, was zombies with rainbow accessories that smoke weed. Seems legit. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, a lot of them are vaping now, but yeah, close enough. Close enough. Oh, <laughs> fuck them then. <laughs> well, and okay, so what's more, though, when you see the picture, it's clear that the follow-up question was, what do zombies dress like? And they apparently landed on in full green body suits with a bed sheet sign that says gay zombies for people to see before the CGI is added, I guess. <laughs> yeah, just begging to have Charlie Day hit him in the face with a volleyball. I was <laughs> watching the video, waiting for it. Nope. Now, this group, of course, was predictably led by one Bill Watcott, who's been an on-again, off-again gimp for our verbal sadism for years. In fact, it was precisely 100 episodes ago that we covered his thwarted efforts to infiltrate the Vancouver Pride Parade, this time disguised as a gay gay pastafarian to give out faulty condoms 
in what we can assume was a pinky-in-the-brain type effort to kill off the gays with the AIDS. I mean, I mean, look, what we have here in the end is a grown man who is not a cartoon character. I don't think I can emphasize that enough, whose secret plans generally involve clever disguises. Be very, very quiet. I'm hunting homosexuals. Yeah, right, yes. <laughs> but it's duck season. No, it's faggot season. Duck season. <laughs> faggot season. Duck season. Shoot him now. Wait till you get home. <laughs> so when asked by the media what the fuck was wrong with him, what got pointed to his underdeveloped testicles and his mom's refusal to buy him a Cabbage Patch Kid that caused them? According to a real-life statement from Whatcott, quote, If you try to give out a gospel pamphlet, they'll swear at you and throw slushies on your forehead. But give them some wackadoddle. That's how he spelled it. That's how I'm going to say it. Anyway, give them some wackadoddle thing that looks like a condom, and they really can't grab it fast enough. Right. Whatcott is the living example of the kid who got taught to be nice to the bullies and it's like, not working. (laughs) I like it in the toilet. Joke's on us. Right, friends? (laughs) Look, I already started. Grab the waistband. Pull it over my head. Pull it over my head. I eat lunch in the counselor's office. (laughs) (laughs) That one was just for you, Whatcott. And while we update our what Bill Whatcott will dress like next to infiltrate a gay Pride Parade betting board, we'll take a quick break and hand things over to my lovely wife, Lucinda. Come on, cowboy. (laughs) Butterfree. (laughs) <laughs> a man wrote the Bible. A whore is what she wants. If it's a legitimate race. It's a slut, right? It, cooking can be fun. Hey, I'm proud of a man. This week in Massage. Okay, pop quiz. When it comes to men policing women's bodies, how young is too young? Well, it turns out that's a difficult question to answer, but I've picked out three stories for you this week that should at least help inform our conclusion. First up, we have an all-too-rare piece of good news. Namely, last week a new state law replaced policies in the state of Virginia that allowed 13-year-old girls, and on occasion younger, to get married, provided they were pregnant and had parental consent. So, the real news here is that for all the days leading up until last week, the Virginia legislature was doing something other than changing that fucking policy. The new law, which raises marrying age to 18, was passed in response to the horrifying statistic that between 2004 and 2013, more than 200 children under the age of 15 were married in Virginia. And when your decade-long child marriage statistics make Muhammad jealous, you're definitely doing something wrong here. But the stories get creepier as we go, because our next story is about Raymond Vincent, a 46-year-old youth pastor from Florida, who apparently didn't get the memo when he raped and impregnated his 10-year-old congregant. Vincent was tracked by U.S. Marshals to Haiti, where he was promptly dragged back to the United States, hopefully behind the plane, to face charges of sexual battery on a child and lewd and lascivious conduct. Of course, if he'd been in Virginia the week before last, he apparently could have cleared himself of these charges with 50 shekels to the parents. So maybe it's best that he fled to Haiti. And while we pretend that that's not the fault of the tax-subsidized institution that made a youth pastor out of a guy who was accused of molestation or already back in 2011, we'll turn to our final story of the night, which takes policing women's bodies all the way back to before their people. After this month's crushing Supreme Court loss to people who think that the best way to stand in the way of baby murder is bureaucratic red tape, Texas Governor Greg Abbott had one more trick up his sleeve. 
Abbott, who always looks like he's trying to see the blackboard and won't admit he needs glasses, pushed forward legislation this week to force women to give their dead pre-babies a proper funeral, quote, regardless of the period of gestation. Now, make no mistake, this, like every other bullshit requirement placed on clinics and women making health choices in Texas, is just another attempt to associate shame and difficulty with the medical procedure. And like all others, all it will serve to do is to make abortion more expensive and more dangerous, not less common. But I'm guessing conspiratorial fears about Planned Parenthood harvesting all the unborn Texans for barbecue jerky played into the decision as well. So anti-woman and anti-advancement of human knowledge, two birds, one stone. Well played, Governor Abbott. Well played. So while I go pen a eulogy for the shit I took this afternoon, I'll toss things back over to Noah, Heath, and Eli. Thank you, Lucinda. And in two for flinching news tonight. Father Tony Walsh, the singing priest and former Elvis impersonator, will have no more than two years added to his sentence that he's currently serving for other crimes for repeatedly raping a 10-year-old child. What What the fuck is happening? Is there like a wholesale discount? What are they doing? This wasn't BJ's. It might have been. Not according to the lawsuit, no. <laughs> While we don't know what Walsh's swim times were, uh, so it's hard to be sure, we're told that the greatly reduced sentence is due to the fact that at the time of the full-grown adult raping this child multiple times and once with a crucifix, the <sighs> criminal law rape amendment had not yet come into effect. Would uh, the defending counsel like to present any mitigating circumstances? Yes, Your Honor. Yes, Your Honor. My client was sincerely holding a crucifix at the time of the incident. Oh, God. Oh, sincerely. Oh, gavel. Gavel. What the fuck's happening? But this story actually gets worse. It turns out that Walsh's archbishop was aware of the problem as early as 1986 and, as a result, sent him for six whole months of counseling. And upon his return home... He was immediately made a hospital chaplain. Oh, my God. No doubt in hopes he'd have the sense to molest only the terminal kids, I guess. Which was, by the way, a plank on Eli's papal campaign platform from 2013, by the way. Yeah, I was going to say. And that's not where our similarity ends. In fact, from 1995 (laughs) to 2015, Walsh had 17 previous convictions. And for his crimes, which are more and more horrible the more reading you do, he will be released... In 2021. That's right. He's back among <laughs> us in five years. Go Ireland. Uh, and finally tonight, in wearing your hate on your sleeve news, Christian hate pastor Steve Anderson is sexually attracted to women, and he's super proud about this accomplishment. <laughs> super proud. And that's why he posted a video on YouTube last week. Letting everyone know about his new straight pride t-shirt, which he got for this Herculean effort. I mean, Hades. Full circle. Like women. (laughs) (laughs) By the way, you actually make a good point. It was Herculean, except the part where Hercules might have been gay with other mythological characters. There's there's that, yeah. (laughs) And except the part where Hercules does not look like he just got fired by Sam Adams for sending hate speech emails. But other, you know. (laughs) He always looks like he's yelling an open letter to plentyoffish.com about his account suspension into YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) If she didn't want to see a picture of one... (laughs) Right, but uh, other than all that stuff we just mentioned, he he is like the Hercules of being hetero, and he's got the lousy T-shirt to prove it. So, congrats to Wait, Steve Anderson. To, 
to prove it like in a like in a Monica Lewinsky fashion? I mean, is he asking us <laughs> to so. DNA test his shirt to prove that that stain is Lady Squirt? I, I volunteer I as tribute. <laughs> if you're not picturing me sucking a t-shirt in a courtroom you're not the woman i married <laughs> yeah so that guy was recently given a new t-shirt by some other homophobic asshole that shows bathroom icons of a man and a woman or possibly a man and a man in a dress with the words no, no. straight pride on the front and Leviticus 2013 on the sleeve. Oh, wow. And just a refresher, that's the passage from the Bible about how gay people should all be killed. Yeah. And if you're having trouble finding it, just look for the one that equally condemns the polycotton blend he's wearing and go 31 verses further. <laughs> exactly. Right, or look in the same book for the rabbits chew their own cud or the smallest seed in the world is the mustard seed passages. There's a bunch of stuff in there. Oh, Pi yeah. equal to three. Search yes. around. So not only does... Steve Anderson looked like he should be pickling his own suspenders. He's also possibly the worst human being in the United States that hasn't literally murdered or raped someone himself. So, Okay, stole that right from my yearbook, but it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> I think I really did. I just remembered you told me that <laughs> So, yeah. This is absolutely absurd, though, this t-shirt. He might as well be walking around with a uh, not-Jewish pride shirt that has well, a right. footnote for a passage from Mein Kampf on the sleeve. What the fuck? <laughs> I have one of those in case Trump gets elected. Never be too careful. <laughs> no, guys, look at the shirt. Look at the shirt. Dude, you adjusted the air conditioning four times. Fair. Fair. <laughs> so, all that being said, there's clearly a marketing opportunity here. And yep. as usual, we're here to help with that. We need 30 seconds on the clock. More ideas for the Straight Power T-Shirt Company. Go. All right. All right. So, the company is obviously going to need a name. How about... Not that kind of fruit of the loom. Eh? Ooh, I like it. Uh, I'm Polonely straight pride shirt. Because if they'd let me, I totally would. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying my damnedest to be hetero. <laughs> what about uh the Hanes tagless hetero t-shirt? Because God hates tags too. <laughs> there you go. They itch you. They itch you. They How itch about you. um America Family Association Outfitters? The anti-LGBT t-shirt. Oh, I like <laughs> it. I uh, just one banana republic. Casual wear for the well-to-do heterosexual. <laughs> what about uh, the husband and wife beater? Because domestic violence is between one man and one woman. <laughs> it's important. All right, all right. If you don't listen to Gam, this might not make sense. But how about Flyboy brand muscle shirts? Because it's Adam and Eve, not Adam and Sleeve. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all wives matter. Oh, nice. <laughs> One more. What about the P in the V-neck by <laughs> Naked Coed Hardy? <laughs> Perfect for awful homophobic douchebags now more than ever. <laughs> Make America straight again. I'll put a P <laughs> in his V-neck. Anyway, and now that Heath has officially revealed phase two of Trump's campaign slogan, I guess we can wind down the headlines for the night. Heath, Eli, thanks as always. Jumaji. And when we come back, Joseph Gay Richards will be here to determine once and for all if Bruce Wayne was born of a virgin. Prank war. <laughs> There's a game. We are gathered here today to mourn the passing of a fetus. Um, it uh, didn't have a name or like a brain or organs or whatever. So it's basically a toenail. But uh, this is the law now. So 
for ease of use. So I'm going to call it Feedy from now on. Feedy was alive by only the strictest technical definition, but Governor Abbott assures us that it could have been a person or like a second Hitler. So if we're going to play the maybe game, then yay or or not yay. I'm not here to make judgments. Anyway, moving on. Feedy enjoyed absorbing nutrients from a uterine wall and until it didn't. And that is the end of that list. And Feedy wouldn't have been there if Brian hadn't thought it was funny to poke a hole in the condom as a prank. So thanks to Brian. Sorry, sorry. In Domine Paqui, you were basically a tumor. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, welcome to Piece of Cake. How can I help you today? Hi, thanks. Yeah, can I get two of the eclairs, four sugar cookies? And, and do you have those, uh, the little, what are they called, the coconut things? Oh, macaroons? Yeah. Uh-huh. We sure do. How many would you like? Uh, you know what? Give me three. Wonderful. That'll be nine ninety five. Would you like a bag for that? And do you fuck dudes? Yes, and... No. Okay, great. You fuck women? Yes, I yes I do. Inside marriage. Really? I can I just please have my cookies? I don't make the rules, sir. Long dead Jews who didn't know how to wipe dead. Okay, well yes, in, inside marriage. Great. Great. And are you an Amalekite or a Canaanite? No, I'm not. Wonderful. Okay, you're all set. Ooh, I'm so sorry. We have a $10 minimum on credit cards. Oh, you know what? Fuck that. I'm never coming back here again. Fucking Amalekites. Normally, we save listener feedback for the end of the show, but after last week's diatribe, I received so many emails asking for clarification that I elected to take the unprecedented step of offering up my response as a diatribe addendum. So if you'd like, you can consider this diatribe 177.1 or whatever. So last week, we talked about the Christian Mingle Settlement in California, and I received a lot of feedback about various parts of the argument, and we'll probably address a few of those in next week's feedback segment, but I also made an error that elicited the bulk of the response, and that's what I want to talk about today. During the diatribe, I was talking about churches providing weddings to gay couples, and I said, quote, if churches provide a service, they need to provide that service to everybody, and if one of the services they provide is weddings, they should have to provide those services for anybody that's legally allowed to marry. So ultimately, yes, we're going to force Christians to marry gay couples in their churches. We're going to force any pastor or priest who performs marriages to do it for any couple, regardless of their sexual orientation, and along the way, we're going to sue churches out of existence and turn them into coffee shops and sex toy emporiums. Either that, or we're going to give into bigotry and stop short of equality. And self-quote. Now, that's technically incorrect and for an important reason. Many people wrote in to point out to me that churches do not, in fact, offer weddings as a service to the public. They offer it as a service to their members. And, of course, it's this distinction that allows churches to refuse weddings to not only gay couples, but, as we learned in Ohio a few years back, interracial couples. Or, as we learned in Mississippi a few years back, black couples. Now, if you ask me, that's just a bullshit loophole, but not everybody is convinced. The argument that listeners presented to me tried using a club as an analogy. If, for example, there was a KKK chess club, should the law force them to allow black members? But even if we call churches clubs, that doesn't necessarily exempt them from discrimination laws, right? The laws vary from state to state, but plenty of, like, private golf clubs have been sued for discrimination and lost. I, I mean, I know in New York, if your club has over 100 members, it flips into a new classification and is then subjected to a bunch 
bunch of public accommodation laws. So, yeah, we're talking about a complicated legal gray area, but it's not exactly a new one. But ultimately, club is just the wrong analogy because generally speaking, the KKK chess club isn't tax subsidized. You know, probably doesn't own property or have employees or exist as a freestanding legal entity. No analogy would be perfect, but if we're trying to find the next closest legal entity to a church, I'd say that one should go with a charity. And I feel like we can all agree that a charity that has a decidedly prejudicial mission should and would be stripped of its tax exemption. They should, as I said in the diatribe, be sued out of existence. Look, there will always be a loophole or a linguistic magic trick they can pull, but that doesn't flip the switch from immoral to moral. And while I feel I probably owed you more detail on the diatribe last week, I still stand behind what I said. I'm talking about taking a torch into whatever dark recess they want to hide their bigotry in, and I'm just being honest. The fire that illuminates that hiding place is also going to burn it down. Oi, now, how you gang? How you gang? Hey, my... Little hopping buddy, what's going on, man? Uh, remind me your name again. Kangaroo, mate. Uh, I'm the I'm the kangaroo. Right, right, uh, Rangaroo. I remember, of course. Uh, what's going on? What, what, uh, what, how you doing? What are you up to? Well, um, I'm all right. But see, me and the missus, we were looking over this map for where we all end up after the dispara, and it seems like us, the drop bear, and most of the spiders and snakes are supposed to end up all the way over here in Australia. But the drop-off point is here, on top of this mountain. And we were wondering if, if you might be able to save us a bit of time, uh, if you understand, and, and drop us off a bit early. Oh, man. Uh, yeah, no uh, no can do, little buddy. Uh, I'd love to, but everything's still covered in water, you can see. Because, you know, God got mad at everyone. I, I was like, guys, it's going to rain, and... And they were all like, shut up, Noah, you fuck your daughters. And I was like, you fuck your daughters. Right, and right. Whole, heard that story. So you know, right, heard story, that story. Yeah. yeah. So um, we're on a boat, yeah? Does anybody else on the planet have a boat right now? Like, could we not have a smaller boat just spitballing? I feel like if one had a boat, they'd be totally fine. So, uh, Nah, nah, man. Because, um, well, well, one, I only have this boat. And, and two, I, I feel like the other boats... Which were around, God like punched holes in them before it rained, so. Sorry, God, you know. God punched holes in all the boats in the world. Uh, yeah, except for this one. That's floating. Right. Yep. Yeah. Well, um, could we perhaps sail around a bit more? And then maybe once there's a mountain top or something, we could go there, and then you could head over to the mountain top. We're originally supposed to go to a little out of the way. Oh, man, uh, sorry, man. I would love to. That's a great idea. God said he was like no pit stops, and you know how he can be. He he just drowned everyone. Yeah, no. I suppose so. That's that's true. Well, no harm in asking. Guess me and the missus have quite the uh, commute ahead of us. Quite quite a walk and and swim. Yeah, this is cardio for you. It's right, good. right, cardio. Sure. Uh, hey, uh, Cameroon, can I ask you a question? Sure thing, mate. Do, uh, do people say stuff about me and my daughters? I feel like... No, no, no. Oh, okay. Good. You think they're hot, right? Uh, you know, not really for... Sure. In the halls of the great Gothic cathedrals, reverent voices speak of a savior. 
They speak of a man humble despite possessing riches scarcely dreamt of by mortals who set out to redeem a fallen race even at the cost of his own life. They speak of a man who communed with the beggars, the thieves, and the prostitutes, whose grace fell upon the rich and the meek alike, a man who was marked out by the authorities, who walked willingly into captivity, who loved his enemies. This man wrote no books, he had no empire, he led no armies, and yet he changed the world forever. And of course, the man I'm talking about is Batman. But you may have also noticed a commonality or two with that Jesus fella. So to talk more about what these two superheroes have in common, we're joined by Joseph K. Richards, the director, writer, editor, producer, et al. of the upcoming documentary film, Batman and Jesus. Joseph, welcome to The Scathing Atheist. Hey, thanks for having me on. That that was a beautiful description, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Uh, before we talk about Batman and Jesus, I want to talk about you a bit. What, what got you interested in filmmaking? Well, I guess uh, it was... It was growing up with television in the 90s and uh, and wanting to imitate that and like writing my own versions and comics. And then as soon as my friend had a video camera and I realized I could film my scripts and then, you know, we didn't have to perform them over and over or, you know, I could just keep showing that video. That was when I really uh, <laughs> went for the medium. Awesome. So is this like a, a love you've had since childhood then? Yeah, it's... Uh... Love, obsession, somewhere somewhere in between there. <laughs> All the great loves are, yeah. Right. Uh, so what, does, what made you decide to turn your powers of filmmaking to the topics of like atheism and skepticism? Well, I, I grew up um, going to a Catholic school until seventh grade. So I was early on like totally on board with all that, you know, when everybody in your life is telling you these things you you really don't need to question it when you're that age and they give you a lot of scary reasons not to <laughs> right but uh but as i got older i i had so many questions and and i guess i was lucky enough to have people around me that said yes you should question it that's part of your faith is to question it so i did i was like what's the deal with uh satan and what's going on with the holy spirit and i don't understand this trinity and and they really didn't have answers for me so i opted to read the Bible for myself, and uh, a lot of people say that's uh, what births a lot of atheists. But yeah, I mean, I just couldn't, uh, I couldn't resolve so many things about it that I just thought it didn't make sense to me whatsoever. So I, I stopped going to church and, you know, became atheist. And uh, But I found that people in my life typically did not like to hear me talk about that, or they didn't really like hearing me explain why Noah's Ark was impossible or stuff like that. And uh, so I felt like I should just keep that separate. That's like my personal thing. But last year, a good family friend got in touch with me to come. These guys want to make a movie here in Milwaukee called Mythicist Milwaukee. Um, they want to they wanna make a movie similar to Zeitgeist. And they need a filmmaker. Will you come hear them out? And I thought, what the hell is mythicism? And uh, <laughs> I'm an atheist. I don't know what what sort of weird thing you're talking about. Uh, but I, I guess I didn't realize it was such a simple term. And um, when I realized they were just talking about, you know, viewing religion more as mythology, it seemed pretty much in line with what I thought anyway. So looking into the research... Um, I found it very compelling and, you know, with their team support, I thought, hey, let's go for it. And I've been really surprised at the reaction so far. Not as negative as I expected. <laughs> 
Well, yeah, I think that the the ground has been laid by several movies on this topic, but you know, things like Zeitgeist, they they do a very bad job in the scholarship. So I definitely yeah. think it's it's time for somebody who's a little more serious about this to uh, to step in. So so let's talk a little bit more about this spectacularly titled upcoming film, Batman and Jesus. So, so give us the elevator pitch. <laughs> uh, what, what's the movie about? Well. Um... First of all, we want to grab your attention with Batman and Jesus. Um, we don't often hear those names together, so. No, it does, it does like paint a really awesome fight scene in your mind, though. Yeah. Right. Right. So you immediately wonder, what is the connection between these? And, uh, I think that curiosity is, was the main reason I went for this, um, association. And, and the association that I'm making is, um, not so much the characters themselves, but the way they've been written about, the way, the the history of these characters lies in mythology and uh you can see all these parallels between all these things written about Jesus all the um references they make to pre-existing materials that were also fictional and it's like Batman and Zorro or something it's you can see where they got these things from and it really makes you question why do we even make the assumption that this is reality in the first place. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think it goes great. The analogy works great uh, in in both directions temporarily, right? So like pre-Jesus, pre-Batman, you can see the things that led to Batman, led to Jesus. But also, if you imagine like a, a religion, right, that wanted to canonize the story of Batman right now, you'd have the same kind of thing that you have in the Gospels right. between the book of Burton and the book of Nolan and the Gospel according exactly. to Snyder. You know, th there are those <laughs> things that match up. Yes, you know, Jesus is always born in Nazareth. Yes, he always winds up, you know, in, in walking into Jerusalem. Etc. Etc. But then all of the details, you know, who killed Batman's parents, etc., uh, kind of change from from gospel exactly. to gospel. And that's and that's actually going to be a, a component of the movie. Is we're going to have a team that is attempting to canonize the Batman series. Oh, awesome! <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's you know it's a bit of an exercise in futility, but it's going to draw a lot of parallels. The problems they're going to run into are the same kind of problems you would run into with trying to do the same as they did in the Bible. And I'm, we're going to go through the history of each, and it, I think it really is going to illustrate very strongly that we're making a lot of assumptions here based on something that appears to have a lot more in common with Batman, oddly enough. <laughs> All right, so I, I think the most important question to our movie-going audience here, will Ben Affleck be playing Batman in your movie? <sighs> I mean... He's yet to return my calls, but. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm going to say, if the answer is no, you're way ahead of most of the Batman related movies of late, so. Yeah, I mean, perhaps in the archive footage, you know, I don't know exactly what all clips we're going to be using, but it, right. it's possible. It's possible. All right, so let's talk about who has returned your calls. Uh, who is in the film? Well, um, on the, on the academic side, we have some of the, uh, leading proponents of mythicism, uh, Robert Price, Richard Carrier, David Fitzgerald, Aaron Ra we have, um, and a, a few other uh, known people such as Killer Priest. Um, is, he, he did an interview with us, and we're talking to Paul Provenza about uh, playing a part in the movie as, as sort of a narrator, and then you know, just a lot, a lot of other ordinary people. <laughs> right on that. So, no, it would, would, is documentary the right term to use for this movie? Well, yes, but 
I don't know if it, it it's exactly like a traditional documentary. I'm there. It, I mean, it's an it's a maybe an educational film with there is a story component to it. There there is a scripted element to it, and uh, and you know, like the scene in the trailer is uh, is obviously scripted. So there's going to be some stuff like that to kind of hit. I guess, uh, hit on different sensibilities. So, mm-hmm. you know, you can listen to these guys explain the facts, but you can get the idea from these skits or acted out scenes, um, or scripted descriptions of things. And it's kind of a collage of a lot of different things, but I think documentary is the best way of putting it because it's, it is, a, it is, um, investigating a subject and presenting evidence and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think, f- in the largest capacity, it's a documentary, but it, it has a lot more to it than that. That's definitely true. Okay. Also, well, yeah, no, because I feel like I feel like a, a movie like this has it stands to be like a real danger of turning into a talking head film, and by wrapping it around the Batman yeah. mythology and everything, I, I can see how that's going to keep it a lot more interesting. Now, of course, I first learned about your movie at Reason Rally, where you debuted the trailer for it, and I've got to say, the trailer was fucking hilarious. <laughs> um, now, obviously, a lot of the humor is visual, but you can get a lot just from the audio, so if you don't mind, I'd like to play the trailer for the audience now. Okay, great. All right, so without further ado, this is the trailer for Batman and Jesus. Do you think that it's necessary with comic books for the author to deliberately state that it's fiction? No. No. Why not? Because um, I think everybody knows that it's a uh, cartoon in essence. So, what is it about these comic book characters or superheroes that puts them in that category for you? Abilities that are way beyond, way beyond what a uh, normal, average uh, human can, you know, realistically do. But in comic books, they just take that ability and they just multiply it so many times. Um, I think the vast majority of people already know uh, that the characters aren't real just from the history they've been around for so long that I think people are aware that characters just are pretend. But what if everybody told you your whole life that they were real? Could you still tell the difference? A reading from the book of Nolan's. He was the hero Gotham deserved, but not the one it needed right then. And so he was hunted, because he could take it. He is not our hero. He's a silent guardian, a watchful protector, a dark knight. The word of Gordon. Na 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 Batman Batman And again, I urge you to check the show notes, find the link to the trailer, because you've really got to see 
the Batman church. If there's one thing that belongs on your bucket list, it's to see a Batman church. So uh, now is, is humor going to be a big part of this film? Yeah, it definitely is. Um, I think uh, it can be sort of upsetting or harsh to somebody unlike ourselves that is, this is a more fresh idea to them. It can be fairly upsetting to watch something like Zeitgeist or even the end of Religious got pretty, uh, really kind of hammers you. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I'd, I'd like to take a different approach that isn't so doom and gloom, just more like, you know, let's let's relax and uh, let's look at this information and have a sense of humor about it. Yeah. No, nothing disarms people like humor, and humor is where honesty has to hide when you're dealing with uh, controversial subjects uh, uh, very often. That's certainly sort of one of the, the guiding principles of this show. So what's yeah. the reaction been like from the atheist community since you debuted the trailer? Well, um, from what I – I mean, the direct feedback that I'm getting is all very positive. Like you're saying, they f- find it very funny. They're excited that somebody's – uh, touching on this topic that hasn't really been touched on much, especially lately. But on the, on the other hand, there's also people that apparently don't like the idea of, of the mythicist perspective and seeing those names to some people is like, oh great. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not so entrenched in the community to really understand those, uh, infighting things or biases, but apparently some people that are atheists don't like, the idea that there wasn't a, a historical Jesus, but... Well, you know, in, in the interest of full disclosure, I should say, and I've said on the show a number of times, that I'm, I don't find the mythicist arguments fully convincing, mostly because they haven't convinced uh, the academic world up until this point. And I'm sort of reserving that for when the, when the you know, historians, etc., start to come around a little bit more. But I think, you know, th- there's, there has to be a sort of a two-pronged approach here that we have to take it to the academic uh, field, and that's what a lot of the people of like Robert Price and, and, and Richard Carrier are doing. But we also have to take it to the culture, uh, as well. And I, and I, I, you know, I don't think anyone in the atheist community or anyone that w- we really want in the atheist community would begrudge you putting the information out there. Right. So, and now, have you gotten any reaction? Because obviously you, you debuted it fairly publicly at Reason Rally. There weren't just atheists at Reason Rally. Have you gotten <laughs> any reaction from the, uh, from the religious folks yet? I mean, I, I don't hear much from them, honestly. It's a little, I expected to hear more, but, um, the, another thing I do is a YouTube series called Holy Shit, and I, I count down like absurd things in the Bible. The, the title also, you know, catches your attention, um, in the same sort of way. Uh, and, and with this, with the series and with this trailer, I just don't hear many people chiming in, um, from that perspective. It's, I just hear a lot of silence or, or some people, some people that do talk to me, um, such as the owners of this church, they checked out holy shit before we did the Batman and Jesus shoot at their church. And they, they actually made a point to say they thought the information was good and they find it annoying when people take the Bible so literally. So I'm sure they didn't like all the things I did or, or all of the jokes I made or cursing that I did, but, mm-hmm. but I think, it's probably annoying to a lot of religious people that that so many people are out there taking it so literally when to them to some people it's like how did you ever how did you ever take this literally um 
Right. And I think that the more progressive religious people have to look at it and realize that, you know, all, all the, the losses that they're taking culturally are because of these literalists, because, you know, of course, yeah. and we're taping this on the day that Ken Ham's Ark Park opens up. So there's sort of a <laughs> glaring image of exactly what's wrong with this situation. Right. Um, so, okay. So when should we be on the lookout for Batman and Jesus? Well, it's, uh, it's such, it's so much footage to go through and there's still a lot, of, a, a lot to be done. So it's, it's hard to say a firm date yet, but I'm, I'm thinking around Easter next year is, is when we're going to be looking to premiere it. Awesome. Okay. So if our, our listeners want to keep up with your progress, keep up with the latest on when it is going to debut, where, where should they go? Okay. Well, my website is spadeheartclub.com, like the suits of cards. And we have Batman and Jesus page on there that's consistently updated. You can also find it on Facebook, Twitter, um, and Mythicist Milwaukee. They have a page for Batman and Jesus on there. They're heavily involved helping me get this made, make these connections. Yeah, and I mean, if people are interested in this uh, in this subject and they and they want to hear some more information before the film comes out next year, um, Robert Price is debating. Bart Ehrman on the historicity of Jesus this October in Milwaukee. Yes, very much looking forward to that. I'm going to be in I'm going to be in the UK like the week before, but I'm still going to try to make it to Milwaukee to see that. That's going to be amazing. Awesome. Yeah, so you can get uh, tickets for that on Mythicist Milwaukee's page, and yeah, I mean check out our series Holy Shit again. Both of those pages, you can find that and hear more. Uh, I guess blasphemy. <laughs> Yeah, it was our, our our audience is a big fan of the blasphemy. Of course, we'll have all of those uh, those links that Joseph mentioned on the show notes for this episode. Dude, thanks again for your time, and with a little luck, I'll see you on the red carpet. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Noah. Before we abandon all our hope tonight, I wanted to thank Rob and Brian from the Milwaukee Mythicist Podcast for inviting Heath and me on to chat with them over the weekend. As you might have already guessed, I got grilled a bit for my stated opinions on mythicism, but it was a great interview, of course, and if you'd like to give it a listen, you'll find it linked on the show notes for this episode. Anyway, that's all the blasphemy we've got for you tonight, but we'll be back in 10,022 minutes with more. If you can't wait that long, be on the lookout for a brand new episode of our sister show's hot friend, God Awful Movies, debuting on Tuesday morning at 8 a.m. Eastern Time. Got a juicy anti-gay marriage movie to break down this week. Should be fun, and if even that is too long to wait, be sure to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and subscribe to us on YouTube for a few bonus nuggets of scathiasm throughout the week. Obviously, the episode would lack closure if I didn't thank Heath Enright for being the best buddy a fella ever had. I need to thank the lovely Lucinda for being such a swell gal, and I need to thank Eli Bosnick for being such a smooth daddy-o. Also want to thank Joseph K. Richards once more for offering us a little bit of his time this week. Very much looking forward to the film, but between now and then, be sure to check the show notes for all the links that we discussed in the interview. Also need to thank Emily and Scott from the Recovering from Religion podcast for providing this week's Farnsworth quote, representing truly one of my favorite organizations. I strongly encourage you to check them out. They offer some great resources for atheists, and they're always in need of volunteer help. Obviously, they'll be linked on the show notes for this episode as well. But most of all, of course, I need to thank this week's most cordial coordinates, AIG, Not the Bad MS, Scott, Julie, Elgin, William, Christopher, the Law Offices of P. Andrew, Torres, Claude, Joseph, Robert, Brad, John, Andrew, Eshin, and Chris. AIG, Not the Bad MS, Scott, and Julie, who are so attractive, the Pokemon come to them. Elgin, William, Christopher, and the Law Offices of P. Andrew, Torres, whose IQs only fit into a tweet if you use binary. Claude, Joseph, Robert, and Brad, whose doctors just call four hours in to preemptively check up on them. And 
John, Andrew, Eshin, and Chris, whose condoms are more capacious than Santa's sack and contain better gifts. Together, these 16 sexy seculars succeeded in securing a sacrilegious sector to second-guess the sacred sacraments and Socratic secretions of the undersex sex this week by giving us money. Not everybody has the unique blend of 11 herbs and spices it takes to give us money, but if you think your fingers are worth a lick, you can make a per-episode donation at patreon.com slash scathingatheist, whereby you'll earn early access to an extended edition of every episode, or you can make a one-time donation by clicking on the donate button on the right side of the homepage at scathingatheist.com. And if you'd like to help, but you're still reeling from the adult realization that you can't actually earn money by going into a pasture and killing relatively easy bad guys, you can also help us a ton by giving us a five-star review on iTunes and or by telling a friend about the show. If you have questions, comments, or death threats, you'll find all the contact info on the contact page at scathingatheist.com. All the music used in this episode was written and performed by yours truly, and yes, I did have my permission. God said, he was like, no pit stops. And you know how he can be. He he just drowned everyone. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, no, that's true. That's true. I suppose. I s- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oi. All right. Let me get my. All right. There it is. All right. There you got it. You got it. And you've got to have your, you got to have your drunk on here, Heath. That's, that's, that's very important. I don't know if you need a second to get your drunk going. Uh, yeah. Let me just drink this entire beer real quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. Sends memory. Oi. Oi. No. Uh, no, hold on. I'm drinking a whole beer real quick. I was serious. <laughs> uh, all right. Oh, I'm ready. Mm-hmm.